Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Hey, it's Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Welcome to our Revival Today studios in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm joined again for a segment that I know you enjoyed yesterday. My mother, Judy Shuttlesworth, is teaching, turned 61 in September, and is teaching on how to raise godly children, which uh, if you're from a situation like she was from, where you didn't have any Christian parents, and you basically are figuring out everything yourself, you don't have to figure out everything for yourself. Anything you're doing in life, you can locate people down the path that you're on that have found success, and then learn from them. So you don't have to learn everything trial and error, and that's why we're doing these broadcasts, not just so you can know how to raise godly children. You You don't have to repeat what people repeat that your kids don't serve the Lord, and when they turn teenagers, they become trouble. You can do things in a way where where you train your children to serve the Lord, and you know the joy of having a whole household, can't you? That's right. And the word train is important because we're the only living beings that come out of the womb and have no ability to do anything. Horses stand right up. You know, they go on their way. Babies are completely helpless, and it must be that way for a reason. And so, like we said yesterday in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. Training is all-encompassing. And I thought today we could talk about the prickly subject of discipline, which everyone hates to talk about. And, and, and in this day, it's difficult to talk about because right away people uh, relegate that to spanking, corporal punishment. But discipline is so much more than that. Yeah, and like you said, you saw on the flight here where there is a father asleep, a mother on her phone, and the kids were just wild. Wild, in the crying. And, yes. I, and I've been there where the, the kid is not making a scene at the gate, making a scene where like that terminal. Yes. And they just, you know, pretend like it's not happening. Yeah. Where people don't don't know how to discipline their, their children and that you can have authority. You have authority. You have to pay attention to your children without distraction. Children know when you're doing something else. Like, I was playing with a child not too long ago, and the child said, are you on your phone? Because I had glanced at it, which usually I, I, I'm not a person who is on my phone all the time, but they want your undivided attention, and they know when they have your undivided attention. And if they have your undivided attention, they're happy. Even last night, playing with Camila, she said to me, I'm happy you're going to be here five days, Grandma. You know, she, because I just take those evening hours, those three hours, and I just sit on the floor with her and watch her play. That's what they want. Right. It's, it's a wonderful bonding experience. And like I said yesterday, if you bond with a child, discipline is not a bad thing. But if you don't have a relationship with your child and then you're telling them everything they're doing wrong, telling them their grades are bad, telling them they're not this, they're not that, they don't accept it well and they withdraw from you. And we never want our children to withdraw from us. We want our children to be around us and want to be around us. Sure. So discipline is not something that we do sometimes and sometimes we don't. Discipline, what I found and what I've learned over the years, is something that is on a day-to-day basis. When you see somebody doing something, when you're with your child, you say, you see that? This person shouldn't say that. This person shouldn't do that. And you teach them how to be kind Like, for instance, if you see someone who's overweight, a child always says what comes into their mind. 
So you have to train that child to say, to not say, oh, you're fat, because it just comes out of them. They don't know it's wrong. The one place They're, you failed with me. Well, this was one thing that Jonathan did when he was just a tiny little guy, like three, and thankfully at that time he had a speech impediment. And into his mid-30s. But he said to a very good friend of mine when she came over the house, you're fat, and I got like a dagger through my heart. And she said, oh, what's that? Now, whether she thought that or she was just Trying covering... Trying to the situation. Yes. But you learn, as time goes on, that you have to teach your child kindness. We are not innately kind. Of course, some people are kinder than others, and some children are easier to train than others. Absolutely. But on the whole, most children are not good and kind and say nice things or like to share, any of that. This is all included under the umbrella of discipline. Just um, a way of life where you teach people little people, how to treat other people, how to behave in certain circumstances. Uh, you can even teach your child, it's okay to talk to me like that at home about things, but when we're out, you don't talk like that in public, you know, because your family has a certain dynamic and you sure. might have a sense of humor, which is great, yeah. but you want a child not to be obnoxious. Nobody likes to be around uncontrollable children, children who throw fits, uh, and every child throws fits. The only fit I ever remember you throwing... Inspector Gadget. Yeah, he wanted uh, an Inspector Gadget doll so bad, and I had already bought it for... I don't remember if it was your birthday or Christmas. And we were in the store, and you saw it, and you wanted it so bad, and I didn't want to tell you that you already got it, and you threw a fit. And I can honestly say that's the only fit I ever remember you throwing. You weren't that type of child, neither was your sister. So... Well, if, if you discipline right, you only do something once. Exactly. And then it's memorable. Exactly. And so we can talk about why, what you do to discipline those types of things. What do you do? And, and you dealt with a strong, for people that think their kids are like uncontrollable. I was extremely strong-willed. Extremely strong-willed. The thing is, you don't spank for every situation. I was situation. extremely strong-willed. Now I'm just... Yeah. You're just so mellow now. Weak, it's just unbelievable how I, I got that out of you. Well, like I said yesterday, your child's born with a personality, and you can't change that. I remember at a certain time in your life, you were going to do away with your sense of humor. You said, Mom, I'm, I'm done with my sense of humor. I'm not, and it didn't last very long, because yeah, it's you. You can build a character. You can't change a personality. I mean, even in the womb, you didn't move as much as Jessica. She was always, you know, moving around. You were much more... Um, calm as a baby, and Jessica was not a calm baby. She was a perfect child, though. I think I only had to spank Jessica twice, and I think your father did as well. Again, we, we see things differently there. I see her as a conniving person. Yes, of course you do. There's always that. No, and, and, and you know, when people say that you do like harsh discipline, it like breaks the will of the child and stuff. Then people can see with me that you did strong discipline, you and Dad, and it, it, well, it, you, it didn't break you my need, will, you just need discipline. To, you need to break their will. You can't break their spirit. If you break their spirit, then there's a problem. But their will, you know... Their will to usurp you. Yeah, you, you know, there's a scripture. I just... Uh, oh, yeah. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way... Brings shame to his mother. Oh, that's a great verse. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. Most of the discipline scriptures are in Proverbs. Yeah. But that a child who gets his own way brings his mother to shame. And I think in this age where mothers most mothers work, they just give their child their own way 
because they, first of all, they feel guilty. They're not with their child enough. They, um, they want to get things done when they get home, so they don't want to, you know, ha you have to do this and this because it's easier to just let the child do what they want because then you don't have to pay attention to them. And so, but in, in the end, they're going to bring shame to you. So what are we working for? We're working for the long-term benefit of a child. Discipline is difficult for a mother and a father, I believe, if they're good parents, because who wants to always be correcting their child? Nobody. It's much easier to just give them an ice cream cone or give them a new toy or, you know, just appease them. But to discipline them and, and try to teach all the time is a lot of work. And it's, in the end, it'll bring no shame to the parent, and it'll be of benefit to the child, because it all stems from a fear and reverence of God. If you have a fear and reverence of God, and, you know, some people say, well, it's not really a fear, it's a reverence. Well, I'm a little bit, I have a little no, bit it, of, it, I have fear. some real fear of God. Some of the scriptures I read. I, I would be afraid to cross God. Yeah. Not not a reverent I mean, respect. some of those scriptures I've been reading daily in my, I'm reading the chronological Bible, which has opened up a whole new world for me. I, I feel like I'm reading the Bible for the first time. And I was like so convicted at one point. I was like, oh my, I, I don't want to be cut off. I don't want to not be fruitful. You know, I want God to include me. I, You know, I want to be used by God. And so if, if we have a fear and reverence for God, our children are supposed to have a little bit of fear of us and 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 not a reverence like they have for god but similar because yes. you are god's as the parent you're god's representative yes. home. and i had that that's why like you know in, in school if me and my friends were going to get in trouble i wasn't thinking they were thinking about detention or whatever i didn't none of that mattered i was thinking about what home. you were going to get when you were home and my principal knew that there was a time he, he called all of the, the kids that got in trouble's parents and told me to stay behind and said, now I'm not going to call your parents. I'm going to give you yes. one more chance. Because he knew you know. that they yeah. were going to be like, hey, don't do that again. And I was going to get disciplined. And, you know, I feel for the women that don't have a, quote, alpha male in their home. You know, your dad was an alpha male. Boys especially need a strong man in their life. If it's not, if they're not married or if their husband has died, an uncle or a grandfather or something, because if you don't have that, it's going to be extremely difficult for most boys in a lot of different areas. But in the area of discipline, it is because, you know, I'm going to get to the area of spanking and why you spank. But there came a time when I would paddle you where you would learn to grip flex your, my, flex flex my your buttock muscles and I would just bounce off of you. And then you would laugh. And so I would try to do it harder. But... I would start to laugh because we have the same sense of humor, believe it or not. So um, your father, however, was able to I not never, never bounce laughed. anything off of you. No. And, uh, you know, there are uh, we'll just go into into spanking. OK, uh, first of all, let me give you a foundation of scripture. Doesn't say he that spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, I grew up as a Catholic. He who spares his rod spoils his child. That, we thought that was a scripture. We didn't know. I think most but people think it's The real scripture. scripture is in Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who keeps his, uh, uh, loves him disciplines him diligently. So, you know, diligence is something that you put effort into, you, you strive for, you constantly do. Yeah, and it's not a... 
Let's deal with this before you go further. Because I feel like people feel like it's either you don't spank or their idea of spanking is not correct. Like, you and Dad spanked me a lot, and I deserved probably more than the ones I got. But it was never a lashing out. It wasn't like, enough, and and then whack. No. And and even would wait if you were upset till you weren't upset anymore. Well, I'll I'll deal with that because, well, I guess I could deal with it now. You're never supposed to spank any child in anger. Right. Which I can't say that I never did that because, and I I think that probably most parents that, that paddle mothers that are home with their children probably have gone off that little edge sometime because when you have more than one child and they fight, sometimes you just, if you're tired, I mean, it's not right, but it happens. But I can honestly say to the credit of my husband he never paddled in, in anger. No, that's true. And I don't really remember. You maybe maybe you I did, did sometimes, but yeah. all, all but, it, and, but it was always on the rear end. I always. never I never got like, you know, nothing no. in the face or No, the there's back. the reason that there's padding. And you know, Jonathan, believe it or not, was a very fat baby. He was eight pounds, eight ounces born, twenty one and a half inches. His first doctor's appointment, eleven pounds, eleven ounces. Second one, fourteen ten. Third one, fifteen ten. Yes, I have these memorized. And uh that was all on breast milk. He, I mean, I went by the book with everything. But he was a fat little baby, and there's a reason why there's a padding there. Never smack your child across the face. face. Sometimes people do that when they say something fresh. I will say one time, I'm trying to think of how old you must have been, maybe five or six, because you, it was when you had been around other children. 27. <laughs> you said a, a swear word, and we didn't swear in our house. And... I never heard this anywhere or anything, and it, you know, hopefully I won't get in trouble for it now, but I took one dot of Joy dish liquid. I remember that. And put it right on your tongue. Hopefully you don't lose custody. You, st- <laughs> you started to cry, and millions of bubbles came out of your mouth, and I started to laugh you really hard. You looked like I was demon-possessed. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I, re- I still remember that. I remember how it tasted. Yeah, it's horrid. Because I, I, I didn't want to spank you for it, but I wanted to show you that your tongue isn't to be, it's not to be dirty. It's to be clean and it's to be used for, for good things. Yeah. So, you know, these are all things I had to learn. I listened to Dr. Dobson back then with focus on the family. It was like my lifeline because I had no parenting skills. I had never been really uh, watched over. You know, my mom was too busy and I, I was never paddled, um, you know, so I didn't know any of the rules or anything like that. But... You only paddle on the rear end, and your father had a, uh, a system where he would take you to your room, close the door, and read you scriptures. And then if it was a mild offense, you would get one whack, a semi-mild offense, three, and the really bad one was seven. seven. And once 14. Oh, probably the time you hit me, which Slapped was really probably my fault. But anyway, my but- husband made a paddle. Uh, I remember... He was making it because my husband's very, he makes things. And it's a wooden paddle about, I'd say, over an inch thick. And it had a handle and it had a, a leather strap to hang it on the wall. And you came downstairs and said, what are you doing, Dad? And he said, I'm making something. You said, what are you making? He, he said, a paddle. And you just, your face, you know. But that's what he would use because we were taught never to use our hand. We weren't supposed to let the child relegate our loving hand to the child. Now, 
I have to say I did use my hand before. As a mother that stays home, sometimes you use your hand. I know people that have used electrical wires and smacked kids. Katie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever was around. She was a MacGyver of battle. It worked. Her kids turned out okay. But I tried to follow the rules. Most of the time I did. But, okay, so you don't spank anywhere but the rear end. And very importantly, you don't spank to humiliate or embarrass your child. It's not for them to, for others to see that you're getting paddled. So you always do it in private. Well, especially, especially now. Well, now you, if you did it in just, public. When you guys were little, it was just becoming um, wrong to paddle. Like some did, some didn't. Was it like in the mid 80s? Yeah, it was some did, some didn't. You know, the Christian school could still paddle. I don't know if they can now. I don't, th I don't I think doubt they it. can. But, you know, you had to be careful because, you know, you had this thing in your mind, they'll take your child away from you. Now it's even worse, and I think people have given into that. I think probably, I don't know, I couldn't guess a percentage of Christian parents that paddle, but I think it's very low, and the result is very obvious. Would you say that children have become worse behaved since people stopped paddling or better behaved? Oh, is that a trick question? <laughs> no, obviously. I mean, No, I mean, there's no difference. You can't tell me that any kid, including me, if I knew if you guys got mad at me, I was going to have to go sit in my room. Yeah. The difference between that or knowing I was going to get paddled. Uh, you yeah, know, and, and think of what it teaches. It teaches you that there's physical consequences for disobedience and rebellion, yeah. which there are. There are. And, you know, a lot of parents now, I notice what they do is they take all of their devices away is what they do. The child knows they're getting them back. That's right. The child can find something else to do. So the child knows it's temporary and they'll, they'll put up with it. They don't like it, but I don't believe it changes the character of a child at all. And, um, you know, God would never tell us to do something that isn't for our benefit. So there's a reason for it, you know. God said discipline is beneficial for us and it, it's, it, it works a great eternal re reward. So another scripture I wrote also in Proverbs 14, 26 and 27, in the fear of the Lord... There is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Now, the next one is foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will remove it from him. And then it says, a wise man makes a father glad, but a foolish son uh, is a grief to his mother. So let's talk about the word foolish. Uh, it's not being silly or childish or anything like that. It, that's part of being a kid. Like when... Children are in school now that a lot of parents get messages now from their teacher that the child needs to go see a doctor. They need to go on medication. Oh, yeah. When that's just being a kid, especially a boy. What boy sits around in school? I mean, that's more hey, like a like, girl. Like Uncle Buck with the principal. She's a silly aunt. Frankly, I don't want to know a six-year-old that isn't that's a exactly silly right. or takes that's a student of... career seriously. Why not? Here's a quarter. Why don't you go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face? One of the best scenes ever. <laughs> and like, I remember when you were in Christian school, I always wished you would have a teacher that had a son. Because the ones that didn't have a son and only had a daughter or had no children expected boys. To be like soldiers. And, you and know. the ones that had sons, I didn't get in trouble that much. No. And your kindergarten teacher, I don't even know if she had children. But she was the most... She was cool. Nothing you did bothered her. Mrs. Weiss. Oh, my. She was the best teacher you ever had, in my opinion, all through high school, college, everything. And 
taught you great academically and was just... Mrs. Young had a son. She was cool. Yes, you had her twice. And yeah, first and second grade. Yeah, she Third was... grade teacher didn't have a son. Problems. Big Fourth problems. grade teacher, Mrs. Menzies, had, a, had Sean that was a funny kid. No problem. But the third grade teacher got a son. And when I heard about it later, I was so happy. Yeah. So it, it, it's good. But let's talk about foolishness. So it's not being silly or lighthearted or anything a kid should be. We don't want heavy, depressed children. I don't want to know a six-year-old that's not a silly heart. Yes, yeah. I, that's right. So what foolishness we're driving out of a child is actually horrible things, like lacking good sense uh, or judgment, unwise, okay? Stupid, idiotic, brainless vacuous, mindless, unintelligent, thoughtless, incautious, and unwise. So those are things that the rod of correction drives out of your child. Look what I have here. I mean, Jonathan is, I'm amazed by your intelligence. Like when I'm listening to you preach, your wit and your intelligence and, and everything that you know, your, your ability to, to retain knowledge amazes me. And I want to tell people, my son read his Bible through from age six, and the Word of God gives you intelligence. That's right. I mean, he liked books. Jonathan would use, used to bring me, back then we had encyclopedias, which are not, you know, they're outdated the next minute, but back then I bought from a traveling salesman the Book of Knowledge. You remember? They were I blue remember. and they had a tree on the front. He would blue bring. With gold leaf. You would bring me, yes. You would bring me the encyclopedia, like a certain letter, and say, please read this to me. He had like a thirst for knowledge, like unbelievable. And so, you know, we drove out the uh, if you don't vacuous, up, mindless. If you don't dull up kids with medic medication, though, don't you feel like kids are like 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 that anyway? Yes. I remember no, I, when I, I was know. with Preston when he was young. Man, that kid would ask questions like nonstop. Camila yes. wants to know about everything. And she remembers things. She has the greatest memory. Last night, well, yesterday before, no, the night before yesterday, I told her, I said, Grandma has to go on, on Daddy's broadcast tomorrow. And I said, and I'm really nervous. I said, can you pray for me when you're at school? And she said, Grandma, I can't. I have to pay attention. So yesterday, <laughs> after school, when she came upstairs to play with me, she said, I have to tell you, Grandma, I didn't pray for you today. I mean, she remembered that she was supposed to. You know what I mean? She's got a great mind. So that's what we're to drive out of a child. Um, it even adds to intelligence is what I'm trying to. So what do we spank for? Uh, rebellion. Rebellion. I, I, le I made it into D's, which I don't usually do that, but it came no, really good. easily. That, that's good. Well, this one is willful disobedience. Uh, not just disobeying because sometimes they really could forget. You know, uh, but when a child is disobedient on purpose, that's that, a reason that, to bring kinda, out the paddle. Yeah, because that's, that's that's the, the root mind. of rebellion. Too. You know, I've cast devils out of people, and it a demon in a person when you cast them out reminds me exactly of like a three year old or five year old petulant child. And I equate oh, the yeah. two. When it, you know, when you say, "Let's get in the car," no. You know, that, let me tell you, that doesn't hit me right. Well, that that's disobedience, but that also goes to the next one, defiance. Defiance. The worst thing is to see a child that's this big go up to their parent and say, I won't. I know. It's And they take and it. And it happens all the time. And the, the parent usually either ignores it or just says, go play. or. And don't you think that the parent thinks 
that it's because they're young and it'll go away as oh. they get older. And it, it won't go and then, away. And then you can't control if it. If you never break that, it never gets better. And that's the thing. You have to start, you know, you say you start discipline at day one. And, of course, you can't discipline a crying baby. But I'm saying, like, that's on your mind from the time the child's born. As soon as I see this trait, I'm driving it out. Because once that child's big, almost as big as you, I mean, kids hit, they, they punch you, they, they can It'll get worse. spit on you. I mean, it, it's, it all comes down to the child has to have respect for you. If they don't have respect for you, they're not going to respect God. They're not going to respect their teacher. They're not going to re- respect anybody that's in authority. It has to start in the home where the child reveres you and loves you out of that. I mean, you know, we fear God, but we love him with all of our heart. You know, God disciplines us as well. And it doesn't make us love him less because it's for our own good. And this is what you're doing. You're doing this to make your child a good person for the rest of their life. Right. And there's nothing better than that. So we've got willful disobedience, defiance, and along with that goes disrespect. You know, which if your child doesn't respect you, they're not going to take anything uh, from you very well. They might do it because of a punishment. But if they respect you, they're going to do it out of relationship. They're going to want to please you. And that's the way I remember both of you. You both didn't want to displease us. You know, no. you wanted us to have a good relationship and, and get along well together. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. Um, it, it, you, you have a child that grows up and you have a relationship with them for the rest of your life. And you see your children grow into these wonderful human beings that you can't believe you produced because you respect them. Now I respect you and I respect your sister and I can receive from you. You know, if, if we hadn't taken these steps when you were, were a baby and a child, uh, I don't know what would have happened just because you're in a Christian home. Oh, it yeah. makes zero difference. So no, let, let me read a scripture to you. And sure. I, I, I wasn't planning on, ju- I just wanted to listen to you. No, I, go ahead. But because you did this and I don't think people know you can do this. Because it's on the point of what you just said about just because someone's in a Christian home doesn't mean they'll, they'll serve the Lord. This is what God said about Abraham in Genesis eighteen nineteen: For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. I know Abraham. So he tells you why he, he chose him, to bless him. Wow. I know Abraham that he will command his children. Like, you don't hear people talk like that. No. In fact, when I did, I don't know if uh, you probably did, when I did that broadcast on the three vows every Christian should make, I'm going to make heaven, yes. I'm going to stay married, yes. and, and uh, my children are going to yes. serve the Lord. I had all kinds of people write, that last one's not in your control, but it is in your control, because you read, train up a child in the way they should go, and, and when they even grow, when he's old. That yep. he won't depart from it. And I know Abraham that he will command his his children after him and their families yeah. to keep the way of the Lord. That's I, you know, great. Joshua didn't say, as for me and my house, we're going to start trying to serve the Lord. It was as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you did that. See, like, you look, you go to church now and people have young kids. Yeah. And they're just allowed to, like, kneel and color or yeah. play on the, uh, uh, an iPad during yeah. the service. And I'm not even talking when they're like three. I'm talking like nine. Yeah, they never get 13. over that. When do you think they're going to stop doing that? Well, I got up out of a service uh, uh, that 
dad was preaching at our home church not too long ago, and there was a, a boy about two rows in front of me. He must have been 10 or 11. He sat with nothing and watched and, and responded and all of that. When church was over, I went up and commended him because on the other hand, we have had people sitting in front of us in church that were, were doing their bills on their phone, adults. You know, so it doesn't end as a child. If you're not disciplined as a child, you're not going to be disciplined as an adult. Correct. And if you treat your, see, like one thing you didn't do, or you did, is you treated us like intelligent people. Exactly. You don't treat your, people treat their kids like they're idiots. And That's right. Like, well, they can't sit there all that time. Yes, they can. And you can explain it to a child. Like I used to explain it to you. Uh, back then, you know, in the ancient days, there were no phones or not much to entertain. I remember I used to bring a little box of raisins because they didn't make much noise, and I don't even like raisins. But, um, you know, you can tell your child, this is God's house. Right. This is a holy place. We do not do certain things here. We act the way that we would if we were coming into the very presence of God because we are. Kids can understand that, and they, they take that in. And, you know, you were a child. I don't know if you've ever talked about this because you don't talk about your childhood that much. But, Jonathan, you went to the altar every single altar call. And I'm talking about being a little boy this big. Every altar call, whether it was for salvation. And I talked to somebody about that. And they said, let the kid go until he knows that he knows that he knows that he knows that he's saved. So, you know, I wasn't going to say don't go there. But, I mean, also... And I'm sure this is going to entertain people. You were up at every testimony service. Back then we had testimony services. Usually every Sunday night they'd say, does anyone have a testimony? And I am not kidding. You were the first one on your feet. Many times the pew was taller than you. And you would uh, get up and say, I'd like to tell everyone what Jesus did for me. I mean, and you (laughs) would go on about like souls and from just, I've never seen a child do that to this day. I didn't know, uh, I've never known a child to do that. But you did it, and no one told you to do it. I, I certainly didn't prompt you because I had no idea what was going to come out of your mouth. And, um, you know, you had an understanding that I'm at church to receive from God, and you did. You did receive from and, God. And I did that because I was trained that when we go there, it's not a restaurant or sit. It, it, God has something for you there. Yes, Yes, and and the one time that, you know, this is a perfect example. I don't know if Dad and I remember it the same, but I remember it as being in Holton, Maine. And I sat way in the back. You were only 15 months old, I'd say. And, you know, you're not supposed to to spank a child until they know they're doing wrong. That's the, the, the key. Like, that's a good thing to bring up. When do I start to spank my child? You spank your child when they're doing it on purpose and not by accident. You know, you don't spank a 12-month-old baby that starts to cry because of, you know, you yelled at the child. I mean, they don't know that they're doing something wrong. But I told you, because there weren't that many people in the church that night, I said, you can walk from one end of the pew to the other because nobody's behind us and nobody will see you, but you can't go out of the pew. So what did you do? You started doing that, and then at one point, you got to the end of the pew, went on the outside of it, and kept your finger, and you were staring at me, and then you went like this. Straight, straight defined. So I was gathering my things to take you to the bathroom to paddle you because I never would have done it in the sanctuary. And lo and behold, your dad said, 
hold on a second, put his Bible down, walked to the back of the church, went out into another room, paddled you, you came out with swollen eyes, all puffed and crying, and he went back up to preach. And you never did it again. You know, you nip it in the bud. You, right. you, you do it, you don't say, well, I'll talk to him about it later. You don't talk to a 15-month-old child about that later. You, you know, I'll talk to him about it later, and he'll uh, not do it again. You, 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 you deal with it then. I remember the time with that you threw the fit. I, I wasn't going to spank you in the mall, and I went to the bathroom to do it. But you were old enough to understand. I said, okay, you weren't supposed to throw this fit, so when we go home, you're getting paddled. You know, but I didn't say next week. Or, you know, you, you deal with the offense as it happens or shortly after it happens, not um, sometime in the future for the child to, like, for you to get over it. And, and you, you, the parent thinks, well, maybe I shouldn't. They didn't mean it. They're, they really want, you know, you have to do what's right. You have to do what's right. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of times I didn't want to do it. I wanted to not paddle. I, but I wanted you to turn out right. I wanted you to be godly. I wanted you to know God. I wanted you to understand right and wrong. I, I wanted you to know how to treat people. That hasn't always worked, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, you and your sister both. And I, I think the only time I can remember your dad, I think I think he paddled her twice. But I think the only time I can remember him paddling her, your sister loved candy, as you well know, more than anything in the world. She had candy stashes under her pillow. She had jawbreakers. She used to put them in the jaw of her mouth at night and then... Used to run her blood sugar up over six, seven hundred. I mean, she loved candy and she never... She had one cavity her whole childhood. I don't get it. But anyway, she loved candy. So she had Smarties. They were these little colored... I don't know if they still have them. So, you know, these little colored dots. And she had put them in rows and was like making them into something. And Dad walked by and he just took one and she was furious now should he have asked her i don't know i mean it's a piece of candy i had bowls of candy in the house so she took that and she said give me that back don't you take that you know that was it man he went down there and took her up to that room and you know it's hard i think it's much harder to spank little girls for some reason unless they're really bratty Sometimes I'd like to like spank a little, some girl. little girls that you feel like it would be easier to spank uh, no. their bread. No, I'm not going to do that. I could do that, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But I mean, generally, they're they're not as hardy. They're you know, I don't know. Girls can be pretty whiny. No, you're right. It, it, I, I agree. It, it's more difficult, but you know, Jessica didn't really need that many spankings. She was not a bad kid. She was one of the easiest children to raise you could ever imagine. But. Um, she did, like, have a little spunky part because life's different when the man's on the road than when the man's home. It's stricter. So I remember one time she walked into, Dad had said something to her that was, like, like not very, she didn't like it. She, then she went into that wherever he was and put her little hands. She was, like, two. <laughs> and she said, go peach and ning. Go preach and sing. You know, she wanted him out of the house because... <laughs> You know, she didn't want to be corrected, but you have to because if, if he doesn't correct that kind of stuff, she's going to be that kind of kid that acts like that with her teachers. She'd be like a stu uh, studio audience member on the Ricky Lake. Yes, show. but instead of that, what happened? She was student of the month every month, student of the year. You know, uh, you learn to quell and not treat people like you feel like having something spew out of your mouth. You got to control it. Self-control 
is very important, and children don't have self-control. You have to make them have self-control. Right. And self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's something we have trouble controlling. You know, adults have trouble controlling themselves. Sure. And, and so if you don't start that as a child, how can you expect an adult to suddenly have self-control? You know, so, yeah. And, and like you said, it's training a child. It's not just taking them to church. No. It's, you, you know, you, you train them. You don't accept. It's like my coach in hockey. He didn't just say like, oh, Jonathan's not good at passing the puck. You train them then exactly. to pass the puck. And I, I feel like that's what people do with their kids now. It's like, well, he just doesn't listen. Like, it's your job to train them. To listen and to exemplify the, the, the qualities that are in the Bible. Well, a parent that says that, he just doesn't listen, the first thing that comes into my mind is you're lazy. Yeah. Because nobody, especially like a father that's been out all day or for somebody like you that might come off the road, the last thing you feel like doing is en- is engaging in discipline. Sure. You miss your child. You love them. You want to be with them. So when you put that off by just saying, well, that's just how they are or you know, I don't want to do that. It, it just shows that you're lazy. And actually, the, what the scripture says, you hate your child. Right. Hate. Because you're making a decision for, for a convenience in the moment to, like, cripple them in life. That's exactly right. It's amazing when you look at the statistics that the people that are in prison are, are essentially fatherless. And so the disparity of the different cultures that are in prison, like, blacks proportionately have the highest amount of people in prison of any race, highest proportion of fatherlessness, Jews, lowest amount of people in prison, highest amount of fathers in the home. So, you know, when you have a father, like me learning to listen to my dad and listen to you, I don't mouth off to authority. You know, when I'm in an airport and they say, we need to search, you know, search my bag, you know, I've learned authority. So when you teach your child that you're not just teaching them how to like behave for you. You're teaching them where they can function in society. Because if you raise somebody where no one can tell them what to do, they're going to work low end jobs and make no money. You know, you have to learn how to function with authority over you. That's right. Absolutely. And you know, people say that you can't teach people to control themselves, but you can because you, you, you can mouth off and do all this. But if a policeman pulls you over, you're like, hello, officer, how are you today? People are trained, and that's what it is. You, you have to train somebody's over you at all times. I mean, even, even Jesus, who is equal with God, says... Yeah, he submitted Christ. to his father. And, yeah, so we have to submit. The wife submits to the husband. The children submit. Uh, and, you know, we could get into a whole other area another time where a, a father's not to provoke his children to wrath, which I experience in a lot of, of homes. I have experienced it. You know, they, they just take their child right to the edge, and then they, they spank them. That's not what you do. You don't try to make your child angry uh, just because you're powerful. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you've got to not, you know, uh, bring your child to wrath because of your behavior as a parent. We have a certain way we're supposed to act, too, as parents, to, to engender respect. And, and uh, sure. respect is one of the things that I find missing the most in our culture right now. I don't think people think highly of anybody. Right. They just think everybody's the same, and it's not the truth. We're supposed to respect everybody in authority, even those we elect that we don't like. There's just certain offices that you respect, and uh, that's how the child's supposed to be raised in the home with their parent. Right. Uh, You know, you might not like everything your parent does, and, you, you know, kids don't always like their parents. You're not supposed to be their friend. There's a time for that later. 
you are always your child's parents. I mean, even as an, an adult, we're supposed to be uh, the parent and not just the friend. A lot of uh, mothers, and especially, try to look like their kid. They're, you know, they want their kid to take them with them when they're in high school because they want to be like them. That's not being a parent. A parent is up here. A child is always here until they they grow to be uh, a mature adult. So do you, give me give me the four D's again that that, that constitute discipline. Well, I think I only had three. I had okay. willful disobedience, defiance, and disrespect. Great. Yeah. Excellent. You got th- that's all you're not for That's that? all I got. I mean, I have stuff for uh, adult children, but that's a whole different subject. All right, we'll do that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, would you care to pray for the mothers that are watching? I would love that, to. that God would help them like he helped you? I would love to. Father, I thank you so much for who you are and how much you love us and how much you care for us and you care about every aspect of our family. I thank you, Father, that you taught me all along the way because I sought you. And, Father, I know that as we seek you and we want to do right, that you you teach us what's right. We thank you for your word that has a subject for everything that we deal with. We thank you that we don't have to question uh, what we're supposed to do because you show us. Father, I pray for every mother that's watching today. I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, help them to live according to your word and not just what's right for them and easy for them. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't just take the easy route by buying gifts and and letting their child just do what they want because in the end it's going to bring them shame. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the ability to raise children that grow up and call you blessed as a parent. And that, that, uh, that the, the mother and the father can even respect their own child because of what they've become. It's worth it. It's worth it, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you're going to help these mothers that are watching today that have a genuine desire. Maybe they have brand new babies or uh, maybe their children are already growing. But, Lord, it's never too late for you. Once they, they grasp these, you can help them, Lord, to put these into uh, practice in their lives. And I pray that that would happen, Lord. I pray you would bless everyone's home. I pray, God, that you would cause their homes to be content and full, full of joy and full of contentment, Lord, and full of peace because of your presence. I thank you, Lord, for, your, for everything that you've done for us and will continue to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And I want to thank you for coming on because oh. I know this is going to help a lot of people, a whole lot. I hope so. You know, it, it will. It's, it's great. Let me read this to you before... We call it a day for today. First Kings 17, verse 8. The Bible says, when the, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. 
and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. The first version of the New Living Translation says, no matter how much they used, there was always plenty of flour and olive oil left over in the containers, just like Elijah had promised. You know, you can give, and my dad is, is sitting here off camera. I heard a story about his, his father's parents, that they never went to church, even on Christmas and Easter, but they would give their tithes for some reason. They would send them with someone to take to the church. And you see how that ended up doing something for the household, where God honors giving in many, many ways. You know, when you think about it, giving not only multiplies the resources of what you gave, but it higher than that, it attracts the blessing of God to your home. And the blessing of God encompasses everything. So on that note, when you give today, I want you to ask the Lord what would represent your best. And so that with faith, not just that God's going to multiply it back. And if you're like the woman in 1 Kings 17 and you don't have enough to get through the month and you don't know what you're going to do. Don't just believe that God's going to do a miracle financially, though he will. See the bigger picture. That tithing and giving offerings engenders the blessing of God to your life. And the blessing of God encompasses everything. Everything. If you go and read the rest of 1 Kings 17, the lady's son dies. And the same blessing that multiplied the meal and the oil brought her son back from death. Where where God put a stop to losses. Everything was lost. Think of this. Everything was lost in that lady's life. Husband dead. Food finished. Child dead. All that lady knew was things not working out and her making a decision. Obviously, God was attracted to her home for some reason. God, I need help. Nothing's working out. Notice what changed everything. When she took what she had and gave it into the minister of God. Can you imagine if CNN had had that on videotape live back then? That a woman that's down to one meal that's a single mother and this prophet says, first make for me. They'd have played that on Don Lemon's show and whatever show's on after that, and run him into the ground, NBC News and everything else. That's why the devil hates the message of giving. He wants to make you think it's a scam to help preachers out. The giving into the work of the Lord, primarily, it breaks the devil's yoke of oppression through poverty, through everything. It breaks it off of your life and brings the blessing of God into your home. And when that blessing comes into your home, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a product of that, of parents that brought, by action, the blessing of God into our home. I was teaching on this uh, two Sundays ago, and a lady wrote on Facebook, don't we all just have the blessing of God because of his grace? The way you make it sound, it's like we have to take actions to, to have the blessing when really Jesus gave us the blessing. Jesus made the blessing available, but it's your covenant actions. What did Jesus say? Those that love me will obey my word. Those that obey my word, they are my friends. Jesus said, it's not enough to just say you're the seed of Abraham. God could change those stones in the seeds of Abraham. If ye are the children of Abraham, you will do the works that Abraham did. And so faith without works is dead. What's one one of the works you do that puts action to your faith? You don't just say, I believe the Lord can provide. You prove it by taking what's in your hand and by faith. 
Not by kissing it goodbye. Well, all right, if this guy's not going to shut up, I'll give him some. No, I'm going to take what I have and give it to the Lord, knowing that as I do that, the windows of heaven are coming open over my life and putting a blessing, not just on me, but on my family. Did you know, I'll just throw this in at the end and then I'll leave you alone. I, uh, I, the last place I went, I took an empty suitcase with me and I'm going to have to start doing that from now on because everywhere I go, Namibia, South Africa, India, I have people give me so much stuff for my daughter, for my daughter, not for, not for starving children around the world, my daughter. They give me, this is for Camila. I, when I was in South Africa, somebody made a custom pair of Converse high tops for her shoe size with Minnie Mouse on them and her name spelled out. And, I mean, I never asked. I couldn't do any more to not look like I need help than what I do. I never say anything about, if you could help me and now we have a daughter, you know. I didn't never hear anything like that from me. And what happened? My giving, and Adalis is giving, to the Lord. I've lost track of the amount of people that have given my daughter $100 bills. Who gives a four-year-old or a three-year-old a $100 bill? I've never seen that in my life. And she, she, she thinks it's normal because for her it is normal. I literally have to bring an empty suitcase with me on the road for the gifts that people give me for my daughter. Do you know why I'm bringing this up? Your giving does not just affect you. Your giving puts, what does the Bible say in the book of Hebrews? That Levi was in Abraham when he paid tithes to Melchizedek. So when Abraham gave to Melchizedek, the Bible says in Hebrews, he was at, it was actually accounted to Levi as well. Four generations by the obedience and giving of the one man. And after hearing that, I mean, I don't think I'd have to say much to you. Do something today where you say, Father, this represents my best, not just for me. I want to secure my, your blessing for my children, my children's children, if Jesus tarries, four generations. You know, my grandfather, when I see him in heaven, I'm going to give him another thank you, but I thanked him before he left. They started. Think about it. Abraham had Isaac. They had one. Then Isaac had Jacob and Esau, and there were, there were a few servants and stuff. And then they number, by the time uh, uh, Jacob goes to bless Joseph and his children, they number like 60-some. And then you go a few pages to the right, and they're at 1.3 million men, not counting the women and children. You can start something in your family where what didn't used to work now because of the actions of one person, all the battles you had to fight in life. Like you heard my mother talking about how she grew up. I didn't have to face that. I didn't have to face what my dad faced in evangelism. I got a leg up, and Camila will get to start way higher. That's how it should be. I remember when I was at Bible college, I went to my uh, mailbox and had a letter from my mom, and she sent me $50 cash. So I opened the envelope and pulled the $50 out, and this one girl goes, must be nice to have a mother that sends you $50 every week. I said, actually, it's very nice. I'll pray that you get a decent mother. Amen. So the, the world tries to make you feel ashamed that you have uh, advantages from your parents. But you know what? If there's anything to not be ashamed about, it's the fact that you had a, a parent that paid a price in obeying God that paid dividends to you. That's not something to be ashamed of. That's something to be proud. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What were they saying when they said that? 
the God that blessed my, my great-grandfather Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that's my God, and he'll do the same for me that he did for them. You can break every negative cycle today and start a new cycle for your family by the simple act of taking your earthly treasure and putting it into the hand of Jesus by sowing today. Hashtag donate on Facebook, revivaltoday.com, and you can click give now, and then there's a phone number at the bottom of the screen. 